explore Angela's journey as she shares valuable insight for individuals aspiring to make a meaningful impact in the healthcare industry. Drawing from personal experiences, Angela emphasizes the importance of work-life balance, entrepreneurship, and effective marketing strategy. Discover how she diversified her services, optimized productivity, and carved her own path to success. Healthcare entrepreneurs, are you ready to rewrite the rules for your business so you can have more time off, a great team, and more income while creating a positive social impact? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to the Provider's Edge. I'm your host, Sabrina Rumbach. I'm a provider, an international peak performance keynote speaker, and a best-selling author. Let's open the gateway to profitability for you today. My guests and I help healthcare entrepreneurs and startup founders like you break through barriers so you can control your business, control your life, and control your future. This is your defining moment to be a disruptor in healthcare. Welcome back. We have another exciting speaker here with us today. Angela is here. She is a full-time psychotherapist in private practice. She specializes in OCD, eating disorders, and anxiety-related concerns. And she started her career at McLean Hospital, which is one of the top-ranking psychiatric hospital in the country and is affiliated with Harvard University. She was the lead social worker on the inpatient unit and focuses on anxiety and depression. I definitely know back in the day when I was doing my rotations, psych is actually one of my favorite things because I also did an inpatient side. Um, and during her time at McLean, she trained in exposed sure, uh, therapy and become certified in CBT and DBT. Shortly thereafter, she worked at Harvard University as a primary therapist for undergraduate and graduate students. And during her time there, she taught students uh, with her special skills in CBT and DBT and helped them to manage a range of challenging emotions that young adults facing on a daily basis. And now she runs her own practice and has been spending a decade in Houston and she hasn't been here yet. Yes, Texas is on, it is on my list. I will get there hopefully soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, come here doing um, the six months of quote unquote, like the fall and winter because it's all pretty mild and it's actually nice out. And summertime from, I would say, May to September, it gets really hot. <laughs> Good to know that I will come in the fall. <laughs> well, Angela, I uh, love having you here. Love to see um, even just your journey into medicine, especially become a psychotherapist. Why picking this path versus all the other things that you could potentially do in the medical field? Yeah, it, it definitely has been a journey, I think, for many of us in the, the healthcare field uh, or any kind of uh, job we choose. It's usually a journey. For me, it started as a kid. I was in therapy as a kid. My parents were divorced. I went through those challenges. And the therapist who helped me was incredible. And I remember thinking as like a 10-year-old, I want to do this when I grow up. Uh, she worked from her home. She had 
wonderful clothes. She just looked, she just, I adored her. And I thought, wow, I want all of these things. And um, it just happened to be a really good fit. But that was kind of when I first understood therapy and helping other people are like that could exist. Um, So that's kind of where it started. And then right after undergrad, I worked at the OCD Institute, which is at McLean Hospital, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. And in my work with the social workers there, they did a lot of the behavioral therapy. They were kind of on the ground with uh, the patients, really doing a lot of the work together, doing a lot of family work. They had their hands in all things treatment. And I thought, okay, I think this is my degree. This is where I want to spend my time. And so I got my degree at Boston College in social work. And then as you kind of went through really nicely my my brief journey, McLean Hospital, Harvard, and now in private practice, but that's kind of really the 10-year-old Angela got the understanding of, hey, there's something out there you can help people. And it just really happened to be a, a good fit. And um, it it brings a lot of joy in helping people. And I get to feel that every day is pretty cool. Yeah, I think what I capture from your journey, especially from way in the beginning, uh, what's really connected with me is that you see not only a career that's enjoyable, but also the lifestyle. And I think a lot of people go into a career and not thinking about the lifestyle side. And then we start doing so much work, right? Devoting years after training. And uh, perhaps we even uh, love teaching and just like yourself have taught, right? Taking on students, whatnot. But then you just become this hamster wheel of just keep running and not thinking about what does that mean for me to be in this world, to serve, to have a mission, but also to live. And I think that was really, most people don't probably have that alignment as you did when you were little. Wow, she she can work from home. She can have that good lifestyle. And then she's also uh, just loving you, right? Like the patient loving the provider side. And I think at the end of the day, it's about that relationship that we create with our patients and uh, uh, and same thing with our colleagues. And no matter what, um, without that human engagement side, that's what we start pivoting in potentially in the wrong path, right? And um, from all your journey, um, what made you feel like now is the time um, to create your own private practice. What was the pivot change? Burnout. So I was burning the candle on both ends. And I think the brewing entrepreneur in myself was coming through and had for many years. But I think once I got to Harvard, um, and I was working during the day, you know, classic nine to five, sometimes nine to seven, I had a small private practice on the side. And at that point, when I started working there, I was single. So I could work, right? And the entrepreneur self was just like, yeah, that's what you do. You build something, you got to work. And I would do that no problem. But then I met my now husband and was trying to fit that relationship in weekends. I would work on weekends, but you know, was trying to fit him in and started to feel real burnout uh, where I 
started to hate people, right? Like the true Bostonian, not to throw us all under the bus, but I was just like, oh, you know, this person on the streets walking too slow. And, you know, I just felt so tired all the time and driving a car, I would be, you know, beeping the horn too much. Like I could feel myself really, uh, my emotional bandwidth was really stretched. And he called me out on it. He's like, listen, you can't do both. Um, and kind of have a relationship that's blossoming. You've always wanted a private practice. Uh, Harvard um, was a nine-month job where you'd have the summer off, which was lovely. Um, And he said, why don't you think about taking the summer to build your practice? And then if you can build your practice, then you leave Harvard. And I thought, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Um, And being in healthcare, we have somewhat of a luxury that we're pretty much always employable. So I thought, you know, if I can't make it at a private practice, I can go back to Harvard or I'll find another job. Like there's, there's always social work jobs out there somewhere. Uh, And so I did it, but that was the pivoting moment was meeting my husband and having to include another relationship that I wanted. Uh, But all, but before then, like all I had was me, right? So I could do whatever I wanted and fit that in. Um, I'm sure burnout would have happened (laughs) sooner rather than later if I was on my own. But that was the pivoting moment where I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it. Um, And I did. And I, that was 2013 and I haven't looked back. Um, So that it's been, I can't believe it's been a decade, but there you go. And it's amazing that when it all come back to, we have to have that solid support around us and be able to call us out, right? When we don't see, we can't see what we don't see. And especially we're in the midst of everything. And we feel like we're such high achievers. We can do anything. We can learn anything. And to the point that it's not just about doing everything or achieving everything. We're doing, um, we're able to balance, right? Because technically there's no such thing as balanced life. Uh, and it's about like, if we're trying to fit everything, then the quality of everything that you're fitting in is not there. I think many of us have experienced the same thing, right? Like myself, where I used to be like, oh yeah, I'm young, quote unquote. Like I can stand here and do multiple cases a day. And then six o'clock, oh, consult comes in. Oh yeah, let me see if we can sneak that patient in for tomorrow's OR. Oh, let's run around the whole hospital getting everything together. And I think we got so used to like, oh yes, things are efficient. You can make it even more efficient. But it's that efficiency or busyness truly equals effectiveness on what you're trying to do. And then that effectiveness is that the same equals the end result and mission of how you want to serve, how you want to create change in health. It's not that effective. It's not that impactful, but we thought it is what it is because that's all we can see. And until someone else tells us, hey, have you thought about a different way? And I think that's uh, when the door and the light start opening, right? Light bulbs start uh, going off. And I think what's also amazing is you simply accepted that opportunity. Angela's journey was marked by burnout as she tried to balance her role as an entrepreneur and her work at Harvard, where she had a small private practice on the side. 
The demands of her career and the introduction of a new relationship led her to experience extreme fatigue, frustration, and a stretched emotional bandwidth. It was her husband who called her out on the situation and suggesting she take the summer to focus on building her private practice. Recognizing the opportunity for growth and knowing she could always find employment in the healthcare field, Angela took the leap. And since then, she hasn't looked back, finding fulfillment and success in her own practice. Quick announcement before we move forward. If you are a healthcare entrepreneur or startup founder looking to accelerate your social mission and increase profitability, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Find me on LinkedIn or visit our website. Let's connect and discover how we can take your healthcare business to the next level. Because there are people who are going to say, no, I still feel comfortable with my chaos because it's what's known. Instead of discovering this new path, what's unknown, but can lead to a better spot. So uh, proud for you for taking out that challenge, right? Yeah, and it it, shows that even though I teach the stuff, I'm not perfect, right? That I... There I was burning the candle at both ends and not really aware I was what I was doing. I was just doing what I've always done. Um, but that's part of why I really like what I do is that we're always learning. Um, our work is never done, uh, even my own work. So that it is helpful to have people in our lives who can really give us the feedback and that we can be ready for it. Even if it was, it was scary. I floundered quite a bit, um, but I did it, and here I am. Uh, and I'm so grateful for. I'm so grateful for him, um, and then also that the kind of perfect alignment uh, that I could take that leap. Right, and for sure, I think all of us who has that entrepreneurial spirit wanted to explore, right? And we know it's going to be a roller coaster, but we are not afraid to see the roller coaster. We just want to be a really good student and implementer to understand how to do it and able to implement the right strategy so we can really serve our patient while have somewhat of flexibility and creating our team, right? Creating jobs because technically entrepreneurship is not just creating a job for us, but it's serving the community as well. So for you, how are you growing your team for the past 10 years? And at what point you realize, oh yeah, I need to add on more members to uh, uh, as a whole, we can work more effectively to serve more patients. I didn't know what would happen with private practice. I thought you just hang up your shingle and that's it, right? Next 40 years, right, Angela, you're done. (laughs) You're done. Um, And I really thought that that was it. I had made it, right? That was my goal. Um, I was now like Dr. Thorbeck, you know, who helped me when I was 10. I was like, okay, I made it. And then I was getting feedback from patients that the skills and strategies I was teaching them were really helpful, which was great. It's like they are seeing market improvement in their stress and anxiety. Uh, And the other part of feedback that they gave me was that I was a hard find. So Boston is not a big city. You can actually walk all the the fun, interesting historical parts 
probably in a day, right? We're not big. Um, and I thought, okay, if I'm a hard find in a smaller city, I want, but I'm helping people and they're feeling better. I wonder what I could do to help people not just find me, but find the skills that I teach. So I um, found my now kind of business partner, uh, Kristen, and she came in and has really helped me think of creating online products. So I've written workbooks, I've written a stress management course, skills kits that are essentially the skills I teach in my practice. And no matter where you are in the world, essentially, you can get access to what I teach. It's not individual sessions, although some people can. I have packages for that, for coaching, skills coaching, but for like a tangible skills that you're looking for. Maybe you don't have time for 45 minutes once a week, or you kind of want to just dip your feet in and see, or is this really for me? Will this be helpful? I really wanted to give people affordable access to those strategies. And that's where my business took off. Um, So not just a full-time psychotherapist, but then also creating these products that people can get access to all the time. And that's been the most fun for me is creating that, those products and, and being creative in that way has been an exciting addition to my business. Yeah, that's a good point. When we're thinking about having clinical practice, it doesn't have to be people coming into your office or having a virtual visit to serve them. There are many other ways, especially what you are expert in that many other people haven't found the same method. And you talk about it over and over again to your patient that can be converted into an online course, into a book, uh, a study guide, a checklist, a, a, some type of material that people can consume on their own. And it also gave them a way to get familiar with you and to really think about who you are uh, when they might not ever going to have a, a, a personal session. And if they have gained uh, those connections and value from just your print material or an online video course and a master workshop, then they more likely to say, hey, I actually wanted to get to know Angela more, or I actually wanted to uh, speak with that person one-on-one so they can listen to me and help me solve that problem. So Many people have not thought about that's actually a great way for adding those multiple side of income and streams and it become passive, right? Something that you produce one time, build a great opt-in page and host it somewhere that people can just find it through SEO search, through different things. So Angela, once you have built that, what are some of the methods that you use and have found helpful to market those uh, materials that you created? So we do um, a lot of blog posts and articles. Uh, On top of that, the the biggest help has been Pinterest. So part of what Kristen and I do is we create our own infographics that have stress and anxiety tips for somebody that saves that or clicks on the link that can go back to my website. So people know, oh, this is the person who created that. Um, And then they can learn more about me. 
or if it's something specifically related to one of my products that can go right to Amazon, um, where my printables are located. So Pinterest has been by far the most helpful in getting my brand and business notoriety. And on a personal level, I love Pinterest <laughs> too. So um, I think it's a great, a great, you know, app. Yeah. So for all the practitioners out there, or even organizations who are more patient facing, Pinterest could be a good way. I was actually on a women's channel conference for a whole day. And then we were gathering prizes for uh, on Clubhouse. Um, so for some of you who hasn't heard of Clubhouse, it's an app, uh, almost like a live streaming video, right? So some people don't really uh, want to be fearful to be on stage with a camera on. So you can talk and you can raise your hand. And LinkedIn is doing uh, something similar, which I run my show with reruns for LinkedIn audio too. But anyway, what I mean is we actually had an expert in uh, Pinterest. And I was like, wow, what an interesting idea, right? Like people save them board. And then it's the same thing. You can save these tips. We save these motivational quotes, right? You you print them out and it's just the same idea. And um, definitely social media can be all over the place. We just needed to start somewhere and then pick one or two and don't get overwhelmed when you're doing all this. And when you have a whole marketing team, right? Then go for it. But as uh, for people who are in private practice or smaller decision groups, then don't make things too complicated, right? At the end of the day, we just need to have some kind of content consistently at one place where you direct all your followings, your patients to, so they can consume. Uh, we don't need to be like everywhere for everyone. So that's a great tip. Uh, what are some of the struggles you would say, hey, I wish people won't go down that road. This is what I uh, kind of encountered in my days. Well, I think every everyone is different with time and what they're balancing. I think the main struggle for me has been social media. I know people use Instagram and TikTok and both I'm on, I think are great, but content creators... That is an honest over full-time job, um, thinking about content, creating it. We see a final product. Uh, we see a final video. And that usually isn't just one take. So one video could take 15 minutes minimum, an hour, right, of getting the wording, the lighting, everything just right. Uh, and so I trying to balance a private practice and uh, writing and the creative side and social media, I think for me, I had to give up that for the moment to just get more self-care, self-compassion, like family time in, because otherwise you just go down the rabbit hole. Um, but everyone is different with how they allocate time. I think having more help can be incredible uh, and finding somebody that can help you organize or think through things or do things for you can be very helpful. So finding a content creator or somebody that's like, okay, on Monday, you're doing this on Tuesday, you're doing that. It's that can also be helpful in just delegating. So you don't have to do it all. Um, but for me, that was, that was something that I found really hard to be consistent with. So I just decided I'm pressing pause on that, focusing on the things that I know do work 
and getting a bit more organized, feeling somewhat like I've got a well-oiled machine under my belt at some point, and then I might pick that back up. But that's been the hardest for me. Right. I think a lot of people are going to have a debate within themselves on how much to delegate and how much to teach someone what to do and how much we really wanted to do. One of my clients even do the end clinic cleaning himself. I'm like, whoa, okay, no. Like you can pay $20 per hour for someone to come over. Why would you have after a whole day of busyness, tired, manipulating, and then adjusting for your patient and then do that, right? It just sometimes uh, people are not able to calculate the true value of their time. So we kind of got swallowed into these other things. Uh, and the concept of delegating and deciding, uh, people kind of mix and mingle them, right? Like uh, when you delegate is you have someone who has a talent, the experience to solve the problem and deliver you that result, exactly what you want without you having to show them versus deciding means you have to map out every single step, right? So the more you have to map out for someone, then of course that person have to constantly come back to you to check. So it's not actually freeing up yourself time. Um, and then uh, it definitely is encouraging to see people to start thinking about, oh yeah, I delegate. I'm like, but how, right? Like if you truly be able to delegate, I think it, it does weigh off so much off our shoulder. And so you can focusing on what you truly love, right? Which is the patient side, the actually seeing the changes for your patients from working with them. Um, so that's amazing. Angela's journey toward efficiency and productivity began in college, where she discovered the importance of establishing a rhythm. This self-taught approach of trial and error helped her excel academically. As a social worker at McLean after graduate school, she faced new challenges and tasks, but she eventually developed her own method called the conveyor belt. This system involves organizing tasks on a daily basis, ensuring that everything is touched and addressed. Angela's conveyor belt approach has been instrumental in maintaining efficiency and consistency in her work, allowing her to adapt and allocate time for new responsibilities as they arise. Don't miss out on episode, subscribe to our podcast today on your favorite podcast platform to get the latest insight from our expert guests. Together, let's rewrite the rules for your business and create a positive social impact in the healthcare industry. All right, let's wrap up this episode and see what else we have for you. I know you also indicated uh, definitely efficiency for your staff is something that you always wanted to focus on on up level. Um, it's, uh, it's that has been like a long term thing where just recently you've seen that's your primary focus. I, I do love good efficiency. I think since college, I got into this rhythm uh, and it has helped me be very successful with in academics. And I didn't really learn that till college. That was kind of self-taught of trial and error where you throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And then my first job out of grad school at McLean, 
as a social worker trying to figure out all of these new uh, tasks, it took me a while. But as I kind of figured it out, I, again, formed my own, I called it conveyor belt, where like I put a bunch of stuff on the day on this conveyor belt. Every day I rearrange it uh, and I will touch everything on the conveyor belt at least once today. Uh, And that has helped me be efficient so I can do all the things I want to do. Uh, And now it's the efficiency is there. The conveyor belt and kind of what I put on it just has changed. So some things will just come off for a while. And then once I feel like, oh, you know what? I think I can add one more thing. And I think I have another hour to give. Or maybe I've found another two hours and I can put something else in there. So that method of thinking has been really helpful for me in staying consistent with efficiency, but it does ebb and flow. It's not, it's not perfect, but that's my method and kind of my visual for how I do many things during the day. Right. Yeah. It's great to find our own rhythm. And then once we find our own rhythm, then we can start thinking about all the people on our team, how we can create similar rhythms so they understand what we're trying to say. And then when we deliver a message and they're very clear on that, definitely can be a challenge, right? And I think when we create a business, we never thought about, oh my gosh, that's a whole level of HR we have to deal with and the marketing and selling and think about the back end and keep my customer happy so they can keep coming back to me I refer other people. Um, it definitely can be a, a fun thing to learn on that. But at the same time, it can be like, oh my God, I wish just someone just take it care of. So we do what we love to do more. And I appreciate you for sharing your passion, your journey, and being a, a change maker to really seeing from uh, why you went into uh, healthcare from a lifestyle, from a passion of healing. And not just, oh, I want to help people, right? Um, and then to this uh, professor role and uh, opening up and trusting yourself to have this private practice and be able to grow in the last 10 years to what you are able to do, creating multiple in- stream of income within the practice and serving more people. As you have learned, Pinterest is one of your best way. Uh, I know people is going to be interested in um, us, our fellow um, uh, practice owners or people who m- might want to connect with you and to learn more about your work or even collaborate with you. So how can they contact you? The easiest way uh, to reach me is probably through my website, which is progresswellness.com. And on there is my email. You can email me and I'd be happy to hear from anybody. Awesome. Well, we appreciate your time. I'm sure people got out a a lot from uh, your uh, work journey, business journey. And then as here, we celebrate the wins and how we're uniquely serving the healthcare industry. And so we can truly be the disruptor and not just accepting what's uh, present, what's now. So we appreciate you guys for being here. Until next time. In the fast-paced world of healthcare, finding a career path that aligns with one's passion offers personal fulfillment and ensures a sustainable work-life balance can be a challenging endeavor. 
Angela, a full-time psychotherapist specialized in OCD, eating disorders, and anxiety-related concerns, shares her journey and valuable insights on navigating the healthcare landscape. Here are a quick summary of the major point we discussed. Number one, one of the many learning points from her journey is the deep impact that personal experience can have on shaping one's career path. As a child, Angela underwent therapy and was deeply influenced on her therapist's compassionate approach. Healthcare professionals who have experienced the benefits of care firsthand can bring a unique perspective and empathetic approach to their work, enhancing their effectiveness and connecting with their patients. Number two, Angela's experience with burnout served as a valuable reminder of the significance of work-life balance in maintaining long-term success and well-being. While she initially involved herself in multiple roles and responsibilities, the strain began to take a toll on her emotional and physical well-being. By recognizing the importance of nurturing relationship and personal time, Angela prioritized her own needs and achieved a more sustainable work-life balance. This proves the need for healthcare professionals to eagerly manage their schedules, establishing boundaries and make self-care a priority to avoid burnout and ensuring sustainable effectiveness in their career. Number three, her transition to private practice showed the entrepreneurial spirit that can thrive within the healthcare field. By taking the leap and building her own practice, she found increased freedom and the opportunity to create a meaningful impact on her clients and the community. Number four, Angela realized that she could extend her expertise beyond traditional clinical practice by creating online products such as workbooks, stress management courses, and skill kits. This allowed her to reach a wider audience and provide accessible and affordable resources to people seeking help. By diversifying her services, she was able to make a greater impact and expand her approach beyond her local community. Number five, she found that blogging, articles, and Pinterest were highly effective in promoting her brand and business. Creating infographics with stress and anxiety tips on Pinterest helped drive traffic back to her website, where people could learn more about her and access to her products. She emphasized the importance of finding the right social media platform that align with your target audience and focusing on a few new channels instead of spreading yourself too thin. Number six, efficiency has been a long-standing focus for Angela, stemming from her experience back in college days and professional life. She developed a method and managed tasks by visualizing them as items on a conveyor belt, ensuring that everything gets attention every day. While the specific tasks on the conveyor belt might change over time, Maintaining a consistent approach to efficiency has helped Angela optimize her productivity and balance her workload. Thank you for listening. Remember, the positive change we're seeking starts right here with me and you. If you are a fan of the show, or if you are just having struggles or success that you're either experienced in the past. Or are experiencing now in the healthcare industry, these matter to all of us. 
I want to hear from you. Visit sabrinarombach.com/connect and send me a direct message. Talk soon.